Hello, I'm Dr. Sri Banerjee, core faculty for the College of Health Sciences and Public Policy at Walden University with a joint faculty appointment at Ross University School of Medicine. And in this video, I'll be um, talking some about um, ethical considerations, but uh, specifically in the context of psychiatric research. Now, unlike um, some of the other uh, protected individuals, um, psych psychiatric um, research is more difficult to um, more difficult to discern because of the um, sensitivity of the population. Um, so in other words, uh, you can't um, have a clinical trial um, where uh, the individual is deprived of all medication as being a control. Um, so in psychiatric research, um, that needs to be um, under consideration. But some of the um, interesting parts of um, this was, it's published in the Indian Journal of Psychological Medicine. And some of these um, interesting concepts um, are uh, visited in, in this um, in this paper. So it uh, starts off by ethics, um, which comes uh, from the word ethos, um, understanding right and wrong. Um, so the World Health Organization um, thinks that, or has given a number of 10% of the world's population suffering from some psychiatric illness, and a fourth of a person experienced some psychiatric illness during their lifetime. So maybe that um, some individuals may experience some of the um, uh, some of the components of um, a personality disorder, or um, even some of the components of the um, uh, depression scale, for instance. Uh, maybe they ha can constitute um, lack of sleep um, and lack of appetite, but the rest are normal. So uh, you have to make consideration uh, based on the um, based on what has been given. Um, so considering um, various issues involved in psychiatric disorders and research, um, ethnic ethic plays a role. Now I wanted to go back here and um, the researchers bring up psychiatric disorders itself carry significant stigma. So causation causation of psychiatric disorders has varied beliefs as described by cultural psychiatric psychiatrists. Um, so considering uh, various issues involved in psychiatric disorders, um, ethics plays a role. Historically, ethical abuse is in human research has um, been uh, quite, quite um, prominent by Nazi doctors on convicts, um, following which the first international standard for ethical consideration actually was framed. So the Nuremberg Code in 1947 was the purpose of this. You might have heard of the Nuremberg Code. Um, it was based on 10 principles focusing on voluntary consent, right to withdraw from the study, and prohibited studies causing harm to patients. The World Medical Association, um, they adopted the Principles from the Declaration of Helsinki, um, consisting of 32 principles, um, which focused on informed consent, confidentiality, vulnerable populations, and requirement of a research protocol stating uh, scientific rationale of the study, which need to be reviewed by the Ethics Committee. Um, so the infamous uh, syphilis study at Tuskegee, the National Commission, um, following uh, in 1972, the National Commission for the Protection of Human Subjects of Biomedical and Biobehavioral Research um, became uh, known in 1974. This was further uh, drafted um, 
in the Belmont Report, Ethical Principles and Guidelines for the Protection of Human Subject of Research. So, um, in India, how has it been, been um, uh, mental health research? Um, well, there's ethical committee, um, there's ethical guidelines for biomedical uh, research. Um, now, um, when we when we think about um, some of the uh, developments that took place in the 1970s, um, after the uh, declaration, after the TED declaration, I said, of uh, 1970, the American Psychiatric Association appoint, appointed committee to develop a code of ethics. So, 1977, the World Psychiatric Association, which I actually attended a lecture, uh, uh, presented some original findings in the conference. Um, they developed a code of ethics for clinical practice known as the Declaration of Hawaii. Um, this was later adapt, adopted by a committee in 1989 at Annual National Conference of Indian Psychiatric Society at Orissa, India. Um, so translating some of these practices into um, different um, countries is, is quite challenging. Um, and of course, the principles are also different according to the time. So um, at this during the, this time, um, responsibility, competence, benevolence, moral standard, uh, patient welfare, and confidentiality are all respected. Um, no guidelines in context of psychiatric research. This was in general research, but if you specifically need to be thinking about psychiatric research, there's other um, features that need to be um, properly evaluated. So um, further, um, India, which is the second largest populated country in the world, houses one-seventh of the world's total population. So, a second largest population and um, one seventh of the world's total population. Pretty significant amount, if you ask me. Um, so, is rapidly becoming a research hub for human research. Um, so, all of the different ethical approaches need to be visited and considered um, in the context of the various disciplines that are being covered. Um, so, following globalization and industrialization, multinationals have an emerging interest for research in this area because um, if we're if they're trying to implement um, whether it's a educational center or if they're trying to implement um, some sort of intervention program from public health um, initially there's a lot of pushback um, from individuals that are entrenched in some um, of the um, natural um, remedies versus um, understanding some of the um, not only remedies but the ethical um, regulation of these remedies which are not necessarily approved by the um, by um, India so um, there's some retracted um, or there's some retracted um, rates of journals um, and where journal articles were retracted and goes into some details there but um, I think the major and you can read this over um, I think the main, um, the one of another one, another part uh, that I want to read over is with advent of research in psychi psychiatry, the number of diagnoses on the rise in uh, neuroclassificatory systems. Example, 106 in Diagnostic and Statistical Man Manual of Mental Disorders, DSM. First edition um, was DSM 1, 1952. Um, so just seeing the rise in disorders. So um, the second edition, um, 180. So we go from 106 
to 182 in DSM-2. Rose to 265 in DSM-3. Um, and then 297 in DSM-4 in 1994. Approximately 340 it rose to in a DSM-5 2013. Um, so for instance, DSM-5 has OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, disruptive mood, dysregulation disorder, somatic symptom disorder, illness, anxiety disorder, hoarding disorder, excoriation, disinhibited social engagement disorder, uh, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, social pragmatic communication disorder, restless leg syndrome, binge eating syndrome. Anyway, um, so the, the these examples um, are important to note. Um, some of the specifics um, for instance, caffeine withdrawal, cannabis withdrawal, factitious disorder by proxy, rapid eye movement, sleep behavior disorder, and they go into a lot more details uh, than the original, um, original one, uh, original 106. So we went from 106 um, to all the way um, to 340. And I believe DSM-6 is on its way, so um, we'll see how many um, diagnoses that has. Um, so, recommendations, uh, diagnosing a person with mental illness, while recruitment and research, one must keep in mind about various psychological and social consequences of not diagnostic, diagnoses of that, um, of, in, in diagnosis. Um, so how do you typify and classify and keep cultural um, considerations in mind to provide um, not only research to um, but also um, understanding um, for the sake of um, science and intervention um, where those uh, where the ethical considerations are most important. So in involuntary treatment, mental illness often compromises person's decision-making capacity. Um, insight, insight related to need for treatment. So the treatment aims at modifying behavior, uh, perceived as an implied threat because the psychiatric treatment occasionally may be utilized for controlling behavior for certain vested interests. So physicians, psychiatrists, psychiatrists to execute principles of beneficence and non-maleficence to treat patients making balance with autonomy of patients. So typically beneficence and non-maleficence, which is more controlled under the doctors, is uh, weighed versus autonomy. The, um, ability to um, ability of individuals to uh, make uh, uh, conclusions based on that. So then they go into ECT electroconvulsive therapy. That I'm not really. I, I don't know how often they use it, but um, let's take a quick look. Um, informed consent needs to be taken from legal guardian, keeping into best interest of rights and patient. So. Um, even ECT um, research this should never be performed assuming that no person with full decision-making capacity would ever consent for any painful procedure without anesthesia. So this goes into understanding ECT and being able to, uh, how to do research effectively and um, taking a look at the, um, uh, the, the dichotomy of, of research. Um, So recommendations, um, 
go into a lot of and, and then understanding how placebo is um, uh, viewed so um, I hope this has provided you um, with some uh, initial understanding of um, diagnostic and statistical manual DSM criteria where we are at five um, how many um, uh, how many diseases this covers um, and also finally um, uh, electroconvulsive therapy and some of the more controversial uh, treatments and also understanding how psychiatric uh, treatment is usually um, paired with um, some of the natural therapies um, in a natural context or sort of like um, classic context and understanding so um, that's about all thanks for listening